0: If you wanna learn about the music industry and you don't know where to go, tune into WP eighty-eight point seven, Brave New Radio. We got managers, producers, record labels, concert promoters below. Yeah. Hey! hey! Say hey! Radio. Say hey! Hey! Here we go, yes, that's yes. right, Music Biz 101 and more, Brave New Radio, 88.7 FM. This is Music Biz 101 and more, on Brave New Radio, 88.7 FM. Did I mention what we're listening to, Christina Roof?
1: We are listening to Music Biz 101 on 88.7 FM. Hey! hey! There we go, I'm your
0: professor, David Kirk-Philp, and we are here with your professor, Dr. Esteban. Yes. Yes on Marconi making things happen, and you are listening to uh, the greatest radio station in the world. Our guest today for this particular radio show in Nashville, Tennessee, is Billy Fields. Thank you, Billy Fields,
2: for being <laughs> here. Clapping for myself. Yes, <laughs> <since> <laughs> which is hey.
0: Clapping with myself Health." That's a uh, Billy Idol song. And then we also have uh, Christina Roof, who is our student co-host. Christina
2: Roof, student co-host.
0: Clapping for Christina. Clapping for Christina, <laughs> which is a new board game. Try it at home. And then we want you to go to musicbiz101wp.com, sign up for our newsletter. Also follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, at musicbiz101wp. We are on iTunes and SoundCloud for the podcast. We want to thank the Music Biz Association for this space, because where are we, Dr. Esteban Marconi?
3: We're in Nashville's
0: basement. The basement of Nashville, Tennessee. Beautiful view. Yes, it's it's, it's great to see uh, the magma melting through the walls. Absolutely. We're that far down here in Nashville, Tennessee. But we thank them for Route 202. we're very grateful. Yes, year two of doing this. So we thank them. We want to thank our friends at Van Dyne Bruno Inc. White Hat Management with artists like Charlie Puth, Dave Matthews, and Kiss. There's only one place to go for your band's business management. Go to vb-cpa.com when it's best for you and your band. Not sooner, Christina, when it's best for you. Might be a year, might be 10 years, might be right now. Call them bb-cpa.com hey we also want to thank our friend rob fusari yes rob fusari grammy winner for his support of having helping people like christina come down here to music biz in nashville Uh, we want to uh, thank him for that we're going to hear don't let love down by rob fusari at the end of the show and we also want to remind you don't forget to buy managing your band the sixth edition coming out june 6th to amazon.com's near you so billy fields are you ready to get going with this
2: I'm overwhelmed by the introduction, so yes, yes, this is
0: this is Billy Fields Radio and Christina Roof. Why don't you take over from here, ready? Get say go.
1: Yes. so Billy Fields, you are the VP of Sales and Account Management of WEA which is the Artist and Label Services Branch. Wow, that's a lot.
0: <laughs>
2: when you say WEA, it sounds like a radio W-E-A? station. We it are. is. It's almost <laughs> WEA, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I often have to okay. explain what that is, so maybe <laughs> when you're done doing this, program. I'll, I'll exactly. explain that a bit. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yes, <That's> right.
1: <laughs> it's the Artist and Label Services Branch of Warner Music Group, right? Uh, that is correct. Nice, and you're located in New York. Tell us, what are some of your responsibilities with that long title?
2: Theme? Okay, great. So really the title does not reflect what I do specifically but it certainly catches everything that I touch so uh, one of the things I've been doing for the company now for the last decade is vinyl so that takes up a lot of my time. Um, I also manage all of the independent retail business in the United States. I have been with the company uh, as of August 1st this year 23 years so I've been at at the WIA for quite some time. (laughs) WIA actually stands for Warner Brothers Electro-Atlantic. It was the company that was brought together um, way back in the 70s, when Mo had Atlantic, Jack had Electra, I'm sorry, Mo had, uh, excuse me, Warner Brothers, Ahmed had Atlantic, right. and Jack had Electra, and they needed to have one a national distribution company, so they pulled together all these regional distribution companies and found Wea. So WIA has <laughs> changed over the years. Um, it still stands for Warner Brothers, Electra, and Atlantic. Um, Rhino is also a part of that. We do some other things with other labels, Time Life, as an example. Um, And we also work with ADA, which is um, the independent distribution arm of the Warner Music Group. So I oversee, let's just call it a command and control structure of how we interface with the account base, whatever the account base is. So we can say the account base is a record store like Grimey's here in Nashville, or we can say it's Spotify. We have account management teams that do all of that. I mostly deal with physical business. So I'm an advocate for independent retail. I manage that business i do projections and inventory management for the entire company anything that we make physically whether it's cds or lps i'm involved with in some way projections forecasting um how many records should we press how many cds should we press what kind of leads should we keep of our inventory in a warehouse because it's a hit how much ed sheeran should we keep in our Mm -hmm. warehouse because we're selling a lot of it that sort of thing um, I also manage the process that we go through with Record Store Day with independent retail every year. So I'm the guy in my company that sort of herds all of my cats so that we can put a lot of great records into the channel. Um, not discounting what our labels do because Lord knows that's where all the great music comes from. That's where they manage those relationships and put those records out. But I sort of am in the, the key to help keep it smooth, make it happen. I interface with our inventory and, and operations teams to make sure that all happens well. Um, Lastly, I deal with the three retail coalitions, so not just managing independent retail, but there are three major retail coalitions in the country. Um, That would be the Sims Coalition, the Ames Coalition, and the Department of Record Stores. So I deal with all of their presidents about the big picture items that uh, happen to them and us in the business of today. So the last two things that I do, beyond those things, and I'm sorry, this is a long-winded explanation for my boring title. Um, I also am a part of the team that just recently launched Run Out Groove, which is a a fan-driven record label uh, through our company. We have a guy, Matt Block, in Chicago, who does a lot of AR work. He goes in the vaults. He finds um, records and music that has either been released 30 years ago or 50 years ago or hasn't yet been released, and we put those packages together, let fans vote on them. The, the, The one that wins the vote, we put out in a strictly limited edition, individually numbered number to however many of the orders are that come in so right now we have a record up, um dream syndicate live at Raji's, uh taking orders for that right now and we're also taking votes on three other titles so we've done that now for four months running we started with an mc5 record that um comes out uh now it's probably starting to be in stores right now and people that bought it from us direct they're getting it on their doorsteps um
1: where, then, where do these people get to vote?
2: Well, there's a website called runoutgroovevinyl.com. Say oh, it again. <laughs> runoutgroovevinyl.com. runoutgroovevinyl.com. We really wanted runoutgroove.com, but um, whoever owns it wouldn't respond to us, so we weren't able <laughs> to actually. That's how that works out there, I guess. Yeah. You find something you like and someone uh-huh. owns it, they either talk to you or they don't. They wouldn't, so we had to add vinyl on the end. That's so really you can go to the website. You can actually uh, look at what we're taking votes on for next month. Um, three great titles which i will let you all find when you hear me say runoutgroupvinyl.com mm-hmm. um and uh yeah that's where you go you can see what title we're taking pre-orders on and you can see the titles that we've actually already released to date we've got a store locator on there so that if you want to buy the mc5 and you can't because it's already sold out and it's closed out you can know in your store what uh, in your market what store actually has the records maybe in their bins so you can go out and go to Grimey's maybe and buy the MC5 because you can't buy it from the website MC5 Detroit based MC5 is yeah Yeah. um, well they were yes pseudo Uh, punkish. not even pseudo almost like proto punk like they started sort of punk in a way had um, only a couple records on Atlantic and one record on Elektra were very problematic for the labels that uh, we have uh, back in the day and uh, they've got some great kick out the jams mother and I won't finish that I'm not <laughs> sure if this, is a, yeah. if this is a for kids I shouldn't curse so that was yeah. probably what they're most known for but very um, very political very aggressive and uh, some great dynamic records and the record we put out is actually the only single LP best of between the Electra years and the Atlantic years so it's never existed before so we just did one hmm. version of that record and, and that's, that's early
0: 70s right? actually
2: um, late 60s oh, exactly. and okay. then into yeah. early 70s yeah Okay. I remember Lester
0: Bangs wrote a lot about it he R- was a big loved 5 um, yeah. um,
2: MC5 and Stooges sort of around yeah. the same time yeah. out yeah. of Detroit sure. mm-hmm. so sort of that, that ethos of yeah. sort of discord and and uh, anger came to be in these these Mm. records yeah they're they're a great band they're a great band so these
3: aren't available on streaming services they are actually
2: yeah that uh everything that we've put out so far we've actually on the website we'll have there's a spotify widget on the feature title you can actually listen to the record before you you buy it Mm -hmm. um we will have some things coming out that won't be on spotify simply because they've never come out before Mm -hmm. Um, but right now the things that we've actually put up We've had the Spotify widget on the on the page as well, so you can actually listen to the music is before you buy the record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a there's a strong correlation for us in, in our world. We really believe um, if you're going to make a record, um, the people that want that record are probably already listening to it streaming. Yeah. And people that stream happen to be really strong buyers of vinyl. Yeah. Um, so we see a, a nice connection between the two. We wanted to bring them together in the site.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And then the last thing I do. <laughs> But wait, there's more. (laughs) There's one last thing. Um, A couple years ago, um, we uh, uh, invested in a a turntable company based out of Boston called U-Turn Audio. It started as a Kickstarter campaign back in 2012, and they make um, really great introductory audiophile turntables out of Boston Massachusetts. They're all U.S. made. The parts are sourced about 80% in the U.S. Um, We distribute them and sell them to stores. They also sell themselves online. And I'm the. I sit on the board of the four-member board, which is myself and the three founders of that company. They're all uh, recent graduates in the last uh, three or four years mm-hmm. of various schools around Boston. They've known each other for quite some time, and they're making great turntables, great preamps. Um, their website is uturnaudio.com. You can go check them out. Great turntables. Mm-hmm. Letter U or Y O U? It is the letter U. Uturnaudio.com. Mm. U turn audio. Doc. I don't know how often you need to do that. How much I should do that.
1: Right. So artists and label services. It's more. You're more on the um, getting to the fans end of it.
2: Um. Well. Yes. Uh. You know. Interesting. We have different positions in the in in the company. We used to just be the distribution company, like what I just described yeah. when it was founded. It really was. You know, back in the battle days in the early '70s. The way you got records was you got your TV from an RCA distributorship or whatever the name of the company, a Zenith distributorship, and they also sold records. So around the U.S. there were just patchworks of these electronics distributors that also carried records. So these labels, what they'd have to do is they'd have to go out and really coerce and they'd have to pressure, they'd have to really invest in these distributorships to get their records sold and paid for. and so. We came together as, let's pull all these guys together into one national distribution company, and all of the records from Warner Brothers and Elektra and Atlantic were all sold by the same company. So that's what we was for a very long time. And we actually still are in the spirit of that. We take all the content that our artists and our labels conjure out of air, and we put it where a fan can buy it. So that's in the stores, that's online, that's streaming, that's D2C... Um, that's when you're on United Airlines and there's a channel of music and yeah. there's a Warner Brothers artist that's in there. That's something that Warner Brothers does for their artists and we work to sort of make all that happen. So that's I'm right. a part of that piece of it. So I, I describe it uh, more succinctly by saying if you're somewhere where you can buy some music from our artists, it's because WEA was in the center trying to make sure it's there for you when you want to
1: buy it. And is this something that, I mean, you obviously did you you didn't go to school and say hey I'm gonna I'm gonna be the vinyl guy yeah no in
2: fact um, I just recently uh, spoke in front of a a small group of students from a Staten Island high school in New York and I explained that um, I studied theater arts in college Uh, that has helped me in this business uh, greatly but I did not study music in college I worked in a record store I actually worked in a tower record store Um, I started in tower in 1986 closing three shifts a week and Filing records and helping customers out at the register, and I left the company six and a half years later as the manager of their largest store in Sacramento, doing all the scheduling, doing all the buying. Um, I learned everything about the business in those bins in that Forest, store, so that's sort know. of where I got my education.
3: Wow, POP. that's great.
2: Yeah. Pop, yeah, I did that actually for a number of years at WIA, Drove around all of the Sacramento Valley and the North Bay of San Francisco, putting up POP materials one by ones as posters. Uh, I started in '86. I started at okay. Wea in '92. Because I was with P- '94. I was with PGD. In yeah, yeah.
0: '90. Okay. And I was doing that. I was an yeah, yeah. account service rep. I
2: was an AMR account merchandising. Rep. Oh, there we go. Okay. <laughs> so, yes, we yeah, had I, those same jobs. A- yeah. A- yeah, and I was AMR. A- oh yeah, yeah. Okay.
0: Doing exact. I was doing inventories and yep. hanging uh, posters and making displays at, yep. at Tower Records in the city. I was East Coast, sir, New Okay. New York City yep. and uh, uh, HMV and all those kind of things. So exactly. exactly doing that same
2: stuff. Yep. That's where I started. Yeah. So I've been in the business a long time.
1: So back then, did you think that records would still be a thing? A lot of people want vinyl.
2: Yeah, you know, that's a great question, actually, because I would tell you that 10 years ago, I didn't expect it to be as, as big as it is now. So I did the same thing many people did, um, and I'm embarrassed to admit it now, but I, I kind of have to because I, I don't like to lie about these sorts of things. But I got rid of, of most of my records in the sort of late 90s, early 2000s because, one, I was moving another time, I was getting married. Um, I no longer had room in my life for records. So you go through this phase of, you have room in your life for things that you acquire, then you don't, and then you figure out how you fill that space, so I did it with CDs. Um, and then slowly over the years, I would dabble in antique store <laughs> here, uh, yard sale there, like, oh, that's a, that record's in great shape, I should get that. So I started acquiring again, and then uh, about a decade ago, I was doing another job inside of the Warner Music Group and I came back to Wea to oversee sort of the vinyl business, uh, be a person in the middle to try and find efficiencies and do projections and forecasting, that sort of thing. So 10 years ago, I thought this would be a really great niche business as part of our overall sort of portfolio offering, for lack of a better term, mm-hmm. and uh, it's turned into far more than that um, to date. Yeah, it's, it's it's an amazing thing to sell 10, 20, 30,000 records um, to a bunch of places all around the world and, and have them in fans' hands the week of release. And that that's yeah. how people are choosing to consume their music, because to listen it, to their it's music. It's not
1: even just the vinyl itself, which to me personally, I think it sounds better than listening to anything else, but it's the art that comes sure. with it. Um, I just got a Dark Side of the Moon one the other day. It came with two posters, stickers. Stickers, like, yeah. yes. <laughs> right, you get all these extras in it. Yeah, I think yeah. that.
2: I think that. Um, I think that's really tough as an artist to put all of your heart and soul into a record to only see that's and I'm, for those on the podcast. I'm holding up my hands because you can't see this. Like a little tiny square of your art, album artwork, and that's all that represents visually yeah. this thing that you're doing. And then you go back to Dark Side of the Moon, or frankly any great record, all the Blue Note records, all the Verve, all those early Atlantic soul and jazz records, those albums that, you know, when you look at the front, you get this idea of what is contained, and you get the back, and you've got great technical as well as liner notes, and you've got the personnel who played on that record, and when that record happened, when they recorded that album specifically. Um, I think all that information only makes the the process of listening to the music that much richer and that much more rewarding. So yeah, you can it's it does sound better, although that's based on taste. That's based on what you like to hear. I, I think some people prefer to have nothing but the audio. So they want a high res audio system and they've got the setup to deliver that the way they want. I prefer um, records myself. I would much rather put on a, a record that I just found that might be a little beat up, but it's alive and it's analog. It's got a heart like mine. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does both of those things. I think That's why records, I think, connect, why they matter, why um, the the kids coming up today, the, the new generation of kids, are consuming music that way. I think that, um, in a way, maybe a couple generations of people got shortchanged on, I can have a hard drive full of music, which is awesome to think about certainly was for me you know I having that first iPod or second generation iPod like wow all the music my wow you know that was that was magical um but now it's maybe you want to sit down and just listen to a record and the way to do that maybe is with a record on a record player
0: hum of stuff going on in the background we're underneath a room where there's going to be a big concert tonight and Carl Palmer the drummer from Emerson, Lincoln, Palmer is playing here tonight, and we're actually listening to this. Was on Atlantic Records. I just double checked. That is that. correct. Yes. Um, the album "Brain Salad Surgery." Yes. Yeah, by, yeah. Uh, Emerson, Lake and Palmer. Yes. And uh, Greg Lake and Keith Emerson died last year, but Carl Palmer is doing this ELP experience.
2: There. It didn't. Wasn't that cover? Is that the H.R. Geiger cover, right? H.R. Geiger artist did the cover uh, of that. Yes. Record, right? Yes, right? yes. 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 Who at also it right did now. the artwork for Alien and some other mm-hmm. things. So yeah, for those that know that artwork. Yeah. If not, go. You've got a smart machine right in front of your hand. Just go Google it. Exactly. You can get all the answers to the universe right in your palm of your hand.
0: Is there one LP that when you did your purging of your past life because you had to get married? Yeah. And she forced you to get rid of it. She everything? did not force me. I should say that in case she ever listens okay, to this. That's the. She feeling.
2: never forced okay. me. No, no. It was. It was definitely like this was. a Why am I lugging these around again? Okay. And you know. And, and again, the taste you have in music as you mature don't stay the same. I mean, some are the same. Don't get me wrong. Like Some of my favorite records are records that I picked up when I was a kid. But my the, my taste in music has expanded so vastly from when I was 18 or when I was 20. So what I purged was sort of up to that point. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I grew up... I graduated in 1985. I listened to Iron Maiden. I listened to Def Leppard and the Scorpions and Judas Priest and Black and Blue yeah. and all Everlast and Guns N' Roses. I mean, all this stuff, Everclear, excuse me, um, among other things. And I got to a point to where that music did not reflect my reality. I married my wife. I had a, a son that was 11 years old uh, in the marriage. I was taking him to school. I was trying to get a job to make enough money to like pay the bills and keep a roof over my family's head. And, you know, you start listening to other things. I fell in love with Tom Waits sort of before I got married and into that sort of the whole L.A. Troubadour thing. And I started listening to a little bit of jazz and getting a little bit of classical music. It all expands. And as it expands, you make all these connections that really will go all the way back to the beginning of when you started listening to music, but it's hard to find that path. It takes a while to figure out how it all connects, but it does in the end. But yeah those records are just records that were like this isn't me now so mm-hmm. I'm this person now. And really what I realized is that no I was still that person just it was a smaller part of me And so that now when I find those records that I have to get like Henry Rocks records that you know I bought back in the day mm-hmm. I got to get them again because you mm-hmm. find them and're like oh, I don't mm-hmm. have that and oh, that was a great record. I love that record and that you know just connects you to your history.
1: And you said you have a son. Is he getting into the running? He is not a
2: vinyl guy, but you know, he does appreciate my my getting into it. His um, his life is much smaller. You know, studio apartment in New York, you don't have a lot of room for much of anything. Mm-hmm. He loves music and certainly does appreciate it, but um, I'm pretty sure that he's consuming music, either streaming or CDs. That's okay. I don't judge. CDs. <laughs> I don't judge people. I'm mean, actually I using CDs all the time. Use them in the car. Yeah. Use them at home. Use them in the office. Sure. I mean, there's, there's a time and a place for all the formats that exist, really. I think. Although I don't have an eight-track player put in my car, or a cassette deck, I think I'm, I'm done with those for the time being. Marconi still has wax cylinders. Yes, I do. <laughs> Plays them. Play. Marconi
0: the Marconi <laughs> right. Plays them in his car.
2: Wow. that's that's tough. It's tough yeah. to get that to, is it the Hill and Dale method of the Edison, yes. or is uh, the other one? The uh, Edison's the
3: Hill and Dale. Yeah, well, yeah. And, and
0: since we're in Nashville, in Memphis, there's a. What,
2: there's. A, what, uh, oh no, here
0: uh, the the CM the Country Music Hall of Fame. Sure. And Elvis has a, like, a pink Cadillac. A, Elvis is all pink Cadillac. Sure. It's there. got a 45 player in the yes, it and yeah, a yeah. record
2: player yeah, yeah. in it. And, I, and every, yeah. I think exactly what you say. How could he drive? And the yeah. needle's just not like, <laughs> well, I think that um, it's the same technology, essentially, that you probably saw. There was a, a new uh, turntable maker, also a Kickstarter campaign, I think it was called Gramavox out of Chicago, that it's a, a vertical record player, so the record stays up and spins, and the tone arm just comes down. There's some, obviously. Mm-hmm some tension on it that keeps mm. it playing. Right. Um, I imagine it's the same sort of thing they used in the car version of the 45 player. Right. would be my guess. But yeah, <laughs> crazy. <you know? laughs> yeah, yeah. So those are my favorite pictures. There's actually a picture of Elvis in a record store and it's a, it's a rack. It's, like, it's almost like what we'd call a new release rack now. But it's just one A-frame of a, of a rack and it just is like six or eight records long. And he's standing in front of it and one of his own records is... Featured on it, and it's just it's such a great—it's one of my mm-hmm. favorite sort of merchandising racks, and it's got to right. be from fifty, late fifties, early sixties. But yeah, all that stuff—seeing really? Steve McQueen or you know <coughs> Muhammad Ali, the cool celebrity, listening to records on a record player. Like, come all on, right. yeah. how can you don't get the same? Th- you just don't pick up your phone. Look, I'm, look, I'm streaming this. It's just not the same
3: thing. <laughs> it's just the cool factor doesn't exist. That's why they blame uh, Dan Eck about that. From Spotify, right? Yeah, that he's taking the point of purchase out of
2: well, I mean, I, the business. I, but although although I would say about the point of purchase thing is that I mean, I, I recognize that you know as we move forward in all things, technology will displace technology, and yeah. it always has. But the thing is that it doesn't kill it, and I think that's the my biggest complaint about sort of how the business of music, or at least the business press in general, talks about sort of what's going on in the music business is that there's opportunity all over the place to actually have a point of purchase Mm -hmm. it may not be in streaming because that is a way in which many people want to consume their music Mm -hmm. but lots more people are paying for that access Um, you sell a physical good you sell a VIP event at a show you sell a record in a record store Um, it just changes and it overlaps so Mm -hmm. you know solar power isn't going to displace coal power but at some point in the future It'll be solar because that's where it's going. Mm-hmm. That's just that's the nature of how technology happens. Mm-hmm. That wasn't a political statement, by the way, <laughs> but <laughs> it's just a reality of the marketplace. I have solar panels on my house finally in New York, and it's like I can watch my house generate electricity. It's fascinating to me. Like, wow, I have done the same as planting 50 trees so far. Yeah. It's fascinating to me. Anyway, mm-hmm. sorry, I went sideways a little bit.
1: Um, so... All vinyl aside. Tell us something that we don't know or maybe we'd be surprised to hear about you.
2: Um, well, I'll tell you the story that I didn't tell you outside. Okay. Um, I was explaining outside before we sat in here that I um, grew up in a very small town. Um, I did not I live in New York now and have been back there for about a decade and I've, I'm from California. but I grew up most of my years in a town called Weed, California. That is spelled, as I said it, Weed, (laughs) California. It's actually on Interstate 5, where Interstate 5 and Highway 97 uh, intersect just north of Mount Shasta. Mm. Um, It's very rural, and it's very high in the mountains of California. Um, You had mentioned earlier that you had driven down the coast from Big Sur (laughs) down to San Diego. Mm -hmm. So essentially four hours further north and way inland is where I grew up as a kid. So we listened to music, but it was what was only the most popular music at the time. And my folks weren't big music people. They didn't have a turntable with records. We had some eight tracks in the car. Um, uh, the three eight tracks that left the biggest impression on me, because that's what they played, were Eagles the Long Run, hmm. Kenny Rogers the Gambler, and uh, a Dr. Hook a track, which I cannot tell you the title of. Hmm. Those three are the things that were always in the car. Whenever you took a trip to the mall, those were those were the, the music that we listened to most. Uh,
1: was my mom. She had Duran Duran. Sure. And it's, to, it's totally, like you were saying, your music tastes, you ventured into your own music world, and...
2: Pretty much. I mean, working in a record store really helped, because you you put yourself in a... I mean, working in a radio station, I think, would kind of be the same way, mm-hmm. although I think radio now is not quite what it was 30 years ago, obviously, as far as, like, just being able to sort of freeform it and have all sorts of connections. I think that at the heart of those two places, what you're dealing with are people that are huge fans of music, and you get to see sort of their flavor and their taste of the things that they're into and that ends up affecting you that ends up sort of shadowing or, or shading your likes or dislikes going forward i think um and some of you know some of the things that you fall in love with the things that you never heard about but someone else told you about oh you haven't heard this record oh you got to listen to this record um that sort of thing happens it happens to me every day um i just A friend of mine works at Concord. He sent uh, me a small little batch of records. One of them was a reissue, um, Rusty Bryant. It's called Fire Eater. Mm -hmm. It's on Prestige. From when? Uh, 72. It's like a soul jazz record. Mm -hmm. And it rips. It is (laughs) fantastic. It's like, how have I not ever known about this? Mm -hmm. And then you go down the rabbit hole of, there's so much that I will never know about. I think uh, I think the kids have the FOMO, right? The fear of missing fear of out missing thing, right? Out, yeah. I don't necessarily have <laughs> I don't have it like that as much as it's I recognize that there's so much great art that I will never get to see, never get to read, never get to listen to. But if I can keep myself open enough, I hope to be able to like get enough in. You know that you you get those jewels that then will take you down another path that you didn't expect
1: I have that fomo for events like concerts and stuff
2: a great thing though about Spotify
0: which is funny because like you I've been it was in the business for a long time so there were decades where I didn't buy any music I didn't need to I could get it for free or whatever right. so now yeah, you have the hookup yeah exact <laughs> always but I uh, when Spotify came out about three years ago I was the, did the ad supported freemium model. For probably three years, last summer I finally decided I'll give them nine ninety nine a month, right. and <clears throat> you get everything. So I, since I just started on Spotify, I've probably expanded my palette, like you were talking about earlier, and the amount of different music that I listen to, it, but by such incremental numbers because yeah. I'm listening to so much more, right. Like stuff that you're you're talking about, the uh, what was his name, Rusty, Rusty Bryan, uh, Ru- is he on Spotify? Probably? I'm sure he is you know it's guys like that because now i can just go and, and listen and I uh, oh,
2: absolutely it. i read something from a record store's email letter newsletter because mm-hmm. they send out great ones that tell you all about records that they're into that they're passionate about that they love that you would never know about right. um and i subscribe to things that are from the uk or or from every maybe not every state in the in the union but certainly 10 20 different states and locales. so you have all this different flavor um and there are All you do is you dial it up and, okay, I'm going to sync that. I commute. I have a long Mm -hmm. commute in New York, so I get a lot of time to listen to music. So I'm going through, like, oh, I really dug that, or like right away, like, not saved. It's gone. It's Mm -hmm. like I tried it. I read read about it. It sounded great. It ended up not being something that I'm going to follow up Mm -hmm. on or I'm going to chase. And then that, in turn, is also the the filter for me to determine what I buy on record. Mm
3: -hmm. So
2: I listen to a, a lot more music now than I did, say, 10 years ago. And what that allows me to do is figure out what I'm going to actually spend my money on. So that's how I use it. I use it as a, a filtering tool for the records I keep in my collection.
3: One of, one of the big criticisms, though, is with streaming, of course, and this is what we've been talking about the last few minutes, is the absence of that community to turn you on. You And you said it, and, and you said yep. it, uh, both Billy and Dave said it, is that and then I, and then I can, and then... but. In the sixties and seventies, when we had the vinyls and the flips, and you got to come over and listen to the new Dead album, and so on, that whole community is is gone. It could be thanks to uh, the Walkman. you know, down, down, back to 1980s when when personal um, listening became right. Well, I I think that I think it's a
2: really good point, and and frankly, I think that on a grand scale, you're right. Mm -hmm. On a grand scale, there are no longer Um, in the same way there was individual DJs that really changed the taste of the country or at least introduced the country to something because they were in a a market that was big enough to where they had a voice. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you that there is all sorts of community connection to Mm -hmm. be had across the country, frankly, across the globe. There's a great um, event run by Colleen Murphy who founded Classic Album Sundays. This is, uh, you can go online, it's classicalbumsundays.com They have listening events in a number of cities I think right now they're up to eight locations in the US You actually go, and the intent is you go into a place With a fantastic hi-fi system And you listen to a record start to finish And you don't talk, you don't eat, you don't have Mm -hmm. drinks You're there to listen with the people around you Mm -hmm. And the music they play before then might be a playlist That's curated by the artists that they're going to play during the event um, but And that's a very set that's – a, that's a business model right there that, yeah. that they have going on with that. But yeah. that also happens in bars across America. You've got Bring Your Vinyl Tuesdays or whatever it might yeah. be. You've got yeah. record stores that, that cultivate this in their communities. I think that one of the things about record stores that I continue to champion and that I love so much about them is that when they're a key component of their community – they are also involved in the local public radio station. Mm-hmm. and They've got DJs that are on the floor in that record store, but they're also spinning records. I know here in, in Nashville, they've got, I'm going to blank, it's 91-something, a new public station that's above Grimey's. A number of people from Nashville and from that store actually are also DJ on that radio show. Mm-hmm. So it it is, it's almost like a return. Like, there used to be a patchwork of distributors for music. There used to be regional chains right. that took care of selling music to their regional communities right. and then it blew up and it was all national right. and everything's coming back everything's mm-hmm. coming back down to a regional look, there's regional stations right. and, and public television, excuse me public radio has done a great job of this frankly um, when you look at a KEXP or, or um, um, what is it in Philadelphia with World Cafe yeah. WXPN uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a number of those stations that yeah. are highlights in their communities that do that. They bring in the locals, right. they're showing music to, to that community. Yeah. I think that that's, yeah. I mean, what Bob Boylan's doing with Tiny Desk concerts and All Songs yeah. Considered. I mean, just, those are things that did not exist previously. Yeah,
3: right. And that's well, bringing that back, I think. Somebody's looking, somebody sees a need for that. Absolutely. Uh, you know, that we didn't even think about. In, 60s, in, 60s, in the 60s and 60s and 70s. Well, that, that
2: was the style in the 60s and 70s. I and mean, that's the thing is that I think the other side of that, though, too, is at that time, the thing that everyone focused on for enjoyment, for communal connection, was music. Yeah. There was not television to right. the degree there is. There was MTV. certainly not yeah. MTV. <laughs> there was not apps. There were not games on or your it phone. It there was not Candy Crush. Netflix. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, all that. Yeah. there's so much more attention right. like I said earlier yeah. there's so can, much that you can never consume but back yeah. then it was like it was all about music
3: I that can, was it I can remember walking into one of those head shops in Greenwich Village and hearing Scott Muni's voice I can still remember that you know and that and the sound system in the hall right. and this was a revolution you know I, right. was, I was on uh, epic records at the time but it was, it was a whole what is this you right. know, and it was such a communal you absolutely know, was the whole thing of being in the village and being with the hippies and so on and so forth. Sure, sure. And the music was was not an integral part. It was the
2: it was the driving force. The driving yes. force,
3: period. Right.
2: Yeah. And you know, I, I think that a lot can be said about how that has changed over the years and that musicians were against corporations and were against yeah. brands sure. and they were out there on the front lines
3: changing culture. Right. Also, during that communal time, if you were the musician, you were one thing living in Haight-Ashburg or Greenwich Road, and the light man may be living right above you. And the guy that did the the snacks might be... There was no pecking that the musician was the... It was all part of the community. And the light man was just as important as the musician, just as important as the roadie, just sure. important. It was just... That was it, you know? it was It was... It wasn't the Benjamin that was the, the most important. It was getting that thing out into the community. Sure, sure.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and, and um, I would say that probably for every situation where that was an ideal that was being sought after, you probably had a lot of egotistic, um, crazy, money-hungry sure. uh, people that uh, got in the middle of all that and screwed it up. Yeah. You know, I think that yeah. the desire was to have this – sort of all-encompassing community that sort of could right. move around the world and sort of, right. like, fight it together. Right.
3: The Monterey uh, yeah. principle, you know, that yeah. the concept in the Monterey. Exactly, politics. exactly.
2: Yeah, yeah. Well, awesome. There was a great
0: article just I saw a couple of weeks ago because uh, there's going to be another Monterey festival mm. uh, this summer, I think. For well, 50 years. Yeah, so and that's that. why. And I think they were giving sort of a history of the Monterey Like festival. what it was, right? Yeah, 67 it was before Woodstock, California. Yeah, and um, the idea of it was this was what you're talking about in it terms of the festival. But after that, and then after Woodstock, all of a sudden, this article from the New York Times, the agents got involved, yeah. and then all of a sudden, it became much more structured, much more about. Uh, the, the revenue coming in, yeah. um, so the agents could get their cuts. The sure, agents were sure. the bad guys in this, and it wasn't just about the agents, but they said that a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. Well, everybody gets so. to be a bad guy,
2: depending <laughs> yeah. on the you know whatever angle you're from. The bad guys from the other angle. That's just how that works. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, in fact, you know, we're all culpable. We're all part of the whole process. We all have played our roles, our parts in the whole thing. You know, and and I, I think all you can do in whatever role that you're playing in the present moment that you're in is how can I at least do the best job I can for what the ultimate goal is the ultimate goal for me has always been how do i turn more people on to music Mm -hmm. or to this music or to that music i mean the rusty brian is not a record that we distribute it's a great record Mm -hmm. i mean we have lots of records that we distribute that are great records as well just that happens to be the one that you know in this podcast at this time at this moment that's what bubbles to the surface of saying like how did i not know about this before you know Mm -hmm. um it's all about turning people onto records. It's
0: funny when you talk about the good guys and the bad guys. It all depends on
2: who we're talking about because
0: we'll have class at school and we'll talk about things. And it always, you can always tell the students are siding with the artists versus the labels. And here you're a label guy. And I like, I, I was like you, you know. I like to say, well, there, there are two sides. You know, the labels have a right to try and make money. You know, depending upon whatever it is. You know, they don't have necessarily a right to screw, but right. they, right, right, historically and, have done that. Absolutely, you know, going way back. You know, it still but,
2: happens today. I mean, look. People don't get paid today just as they didn't get paid fifty years ago. If you right. if you sign a bad deal, if you think that, you know, your manager, your agent is great and they're not, you know, a lot of sets manager just went to jail. You know, I mean it's so like seven million dollars. You know, well the opinion. thing is, you know, we're all we're all flawed in some way. We've all got something that makes us less than. It's just it's the human condition, man. But you and dig music and the thing
0: is you're here because you love the music. And I yes, just think yeah. they look at the label as a spaceless
2: company. But they're not they're people. all made up of people they're like, like me. you. Yeah. I mean I, I would say that you know I have this conversation with, with independent record stores all the time and they say there are not as many people left like me, but I, I don't know about that because I run into people all the time from all walks of the business. And what it comes down to is let me put a record on it, let me play this for you. Did you hear that? Oh, you gotta hear this. You know, I, I I think that we're all a lot more passionate about it than sort of the general perception gives us credit for. Um, but you gotta have a bad guy to have a good guy. Mm-hmm. You yes. know, yeah. And that's just how that's how it works. That's how that's how that's how every dynamic interpersonal dynamic works. You know, there's always two people in a in an argument or a fight. There's two sides to it. There's multiple sides to it. So you just gotta try and do the best job you can on the side you're on. I guess. You know. Yeah.
0: We, we just had this discussion with uh, Linda Blossbaum about um, radio versus uh, artists and sound exchange, for example, right. and the pay, pay, fair pay for fair play. Right. And um, the good guys and bad guys in that. And right. I was saying how um, at one time I was with radio. And here it was radio's perspective on why they don't want to pay performance right. royalties. Right, right. And then she was able to come back because she knew all the law because she's a lawyer. And she right. said, well, actually, radio should not have spoken about that because of X, Y. You know, right, right. she could get into right, good guys and bad guys sure, and sure. put your shoes in everybody right. And, and, and that's Right,
2: and that's a great example of the reason why good guys and bad guys really exemplify this because really what you're talking about is we don't want to pay this money because we want this money for ourselves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, outside the States, obviously – performance royalties are paid by radio stations now it's, it's also a different structure um, there are different selling terms and depending on what territory you're in for anything from cars to, to music to whatever, you know, there are different rules that have been in place that, that the structure is sort of supported by it doesn't mm-hmm. make it right in the end, it just means that's what it is and is there a time that you can change it to make it better, worse improved, transformed that's all the future is going to bring mm-hmm. it so you just have to figure out, well, is this still a business model that works? Whatever it is, streaming, radio, selling recorded music. And if it is, then how do you continue to make a profit doing that? Because it is the music business. There is, it's not music commune. I mean, that would be great. It would be awesome if we could all have all the food in our belly that we needed and have roofs over our heads and have health care just by exchanging music. That would be, that is a future that I could live in, man, every day. But the reality uh, in a democracy that is based on capitalism is you do something to make a profit which drives doing something more, right? Mm -hmm. So you just got to be nimble enough to figure out the angles
1: why a lot of students now who are musicians are studying music business and music management because, you know, they don't want anything like that to happen to them. They right. want to be able to read a contract and, you know, not have the label walk all over them, take a bigger share. Sure. You know, or maybe uh, DIY. People are creating their own labels now. Absolutely. And I think it's, it's ever-changing. It's never going to... You know, it's never going to just stay one way. It's always going to keep evolving. Yeah, that's a good evolving. point
2: that you bring up about the DIY nature because, I mean, that is, the I think, the biggest change to what's happened in the music business, at least I'd say over the last 15 years, for myself, from my vantage point, which is so many more records are now released because it's so much easier to just record music, to make your own record in your bedroom. And then have an avenue to put that out into the stream. That gets added to the, you know, it's the river just gets wider. You know, it doesn't it doesn't become more focused. Um, it's it's hard to keep track of everything that's coming out because there's been so much more that gets released. It's great because there are these gems that somehow wash up on the shore that are just, you know, wow, that can't believe this happened. Um, but it also makes it a lot harder to weed through. You're you're dealing with You know, all the aspects of how do you have a community involvement where you turn people onto music that they wouldn't hear otherwise? How do you actually become that human playlisting person? Mm -hmm. How do you become uh, an authority to help people find great music? You know, and do you have a trusted voice? Are you a trusted voice? All that's a part of it. Mm -hmm.
1: That's great. That's with, I feel like even with concerts and events, it's more and more. People um, from the 60s, 70s, they're still going. Rolling Stones, Fleetwood Mac, they're coming back and they're doing more shows. Festivals, Sure. extreme amounts of festivals are being played. It's just just as much as all of this new music is coming in, the old is coming back, and it's just exploding. I think it's great.
2: I, yeah. I don't... Uh, have a, a negative feeling about it. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: and um, I didn't get to mention, but we just passed the 10th anniversary of Record Store Day. We did, um, which was in April. Um, and for college kids who are in radio, we do what's called Vinylthon, which is 24 hours of straight vinyl. That's awesome. Um, and
0: how, how long have you done that? This was the first year. This, this heard might have had.
1: been the second year because the okay. founder of College Radio Day, who Brave New, which is Brave New Radio's general manager, Rob Quick. He created College Radio Day, um, which he, f- off of that, he founded Vinylthon, um, which he got the idea from Record Store Day. Right. So we celebrated on Record Store Day, and it's just, we spin for a straight 24 hours. It's great. Students bring their own vinyls in. Um, but we'll venture out and go to record stores That's great. Um, in the area. You know, there's one in Edison, New Jersey, Ford, that... A lot of um, students like to visit. There's
2: one on Route 23. I mm-hmm. um, mean,
1: vintage vinyl. Mm, Inwards, no, New Jersey. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah, yeah, Oh, you know yeah. about yeah. that one? Just cool. A record cool. Princeton Records Exchange as well. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a great shop. Yeah. yeah.
1: yeah um, there's,
2: there's many shops. It's great that you would say this. I, I really hope that you said his name is Rob. Yes. Rob Quick. Rob. I hope Rob Quick reaches out to the founders of Records Today Day and does something in conjunction with them because this is the kind of thing that, ten years in, this is what Records Today Day is about. It's yeah. a. It, it's interesting. The press over the years has been positive and negative, and the negative has usually been about, you know, it's a, it's a gross bastardization of the money. It's all about the cash. It's the cash play by the major labels. Um, it's gumming up production. We can't get things made. There's lots of arguments against, but the arguments for are so much more positive and all-encompassing that it, it makes it obvious that something that has gone on for 10 years it celebrates the culture of the record store, that now has this offshoot of College Radio Day, Vinyl It's this is all connected. And the more you can connect it, the better it is. And, and in fact, this year, on the 22nd of April, it was the 10th anniversary of Record Store Day, um, by far the the biggest event of the 10 years that it's been going. Um, I like to quote the stores themselves when people talk about this, but there are a couple record stores um, in the Sims coalition specifically that I have sort of in my mind um, Electric Fetus which is based in Minneapolis has been in business next year 50 years wow. 422 is the biggest day in their history now yeah. when you think about the fact that 422 is the biggest day for business in their history and they've been in business 50 years it tells you something about the strength of what Record Store Day has, has become the, how strong they are what it's done around turning people onto music bringing people back into record stores to talk about music and their favorite shows and their favorite records and not just records but records and CDs and t-shirts and you name it. Mm-hmm. Um, music Millennium, Portland, Oregon, been in business, oh my gosh, four, I'm gonna get this wrong and if he ever hears this he'll be mm-hmm. mad at me, 40 something mm-hmm. years, Terry Currier is being honored here at Music Business Year, Independent Spirit Award, uh-huh. best day in his history. Um, record exchange in Boise, Idaho, Forty years in business, best day in their history. So Record Store Day is an amazing event that includes record stores and labels and artists and and communities, fans, radio stations, yes. uh, TV, print. It's it's and fantastic.
3: How I many artists got behind yeah. it? But at the absolutely exclusive product. Absolutely.
2: <laughs> yeah, and they, and they get out in stores. They yeah. they get out and they they'll get behind the counter and sell you records. They'll DJ in the stores. Mm-hmm. They'll come out and play a show for you they'll do some signings that's it's yeah it's it's a great party it's a great party
1: do you think that this will someday happen with cds or <laughs> that's pushing you know it? it's really funny
2: that you would bring this up because mm-hmm. we've been having some conversations internally about like well you know at what point do you get to when it's you know the cd comes back and the, yeah. and the thing i like to say is that the cd is still selling hundreds of millions of copies every year in the united states of america let alone around the world So we're a long way away from the CD being some dead format. Um, Most cars, Mm
3: -hmm. I know
2: it's 2017, as I'm saying this, but most cars still come with a CD or a CD option. Um, CDs are going to be around for a long time. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to write them off. Um, Will, at some point in the future, CDs come back? If the generation of people that grew up with CDs being really important to them sort of as their emotional foundation desire that to happen then when they go away they'll bring them back
1: that's a really good that's point what people because do. I have my parents cds collection and mine too because I'm not you know I'm 24 so I still when I was younger I collected cds and I'm gonna keep I'm I'm gonna keep those cds so maybe my kids or you
2: never know younger
1: generation will snatch those and be like hey look at this cool boom box I found in my basement sure, of you course. know
0: I yes, and really the
2: circle cool. of life continues. Yes, <laughs> right. and
0: we should start wrapping this up. Okay. Because Good. the circle of radio show must end. <laughs> but uh, we should thank Billy Fields yes. from WEA. Hey, hey, thanks I'm for having me from the WEA. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> from the, the WEA. Yes, <laughs> Don't tell anybody you know what that means. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all. From we from should the thank Christ- Christina. Roof. Yeah. Thank you for being here yes. and doing what you right. did. You did it very well. Thank you, Christina Roof. Dr. Steven Marconi brought it. Yes. He brought his you. big game. Yeah. That's right. Play hard As band. usual. Yes, as always. And,
3: of course, my co-host. That is I, your professor, David Kirk-Philp. Yes. I want to thank
0: you for listening to Music Biz 101 and more on Brave Your Radio 88.7. On your FM dial or stream it, go to your tune in. What do you, How do you stream it? Tune-in.org?
1: Gobrave.org. Gobrave.org. It's you a new refurbished a, yeah, a, website. Right. Brand okay. spanking new. We'll check that out.
0: Mm-hmm. All right. So there we go. Go to our website. Music is 101wp.com. For Billy Fields, Christina Roof, Dr. Stavon Marconi, I do not say hello. Instead, I say Adios.
3: I can't remember when
0: you looked at me and cried. Said something
1: broke inside of you My best friend Whatever come my way You know I'm yours until the end